Good morning. Court Radio is now in session. Call 215-227-2727. When you've got legal questions, we've got the answers. This is Court Radio. And now here's your host, Dean Weitzman. Good morning. Guess what? I'm not Dean. I'm Manuel. The firm is here, but Dean hasn't gotten here yet. There's some serious traffic issues. Traffic issues on 76. So in the meantime, we're going to load up the show for you and have a discussion, a number of conversations, fast food, lawsuits, mothers being charged with gun crimes, their children commit, all kinds of things going on. So keep it locked right here. It's the morning show. My Philly lawyer. Ford Radio, Dean Weitzman. Yeah. I like this part. This is the best part. All right, Justin. Okay, Justin Rodden. Just a little fade, a little fade. Oh, that was nice, young nice. man. Nice. <laughs> One of our um, new, uh, what do we call them in the law, in, in law firms when you're new? Paralegals is on the uh, board today. Yeah, one of our yes. paraboard officers. Love it. Justin Rodney's in the building today. Uh, at the firm is in full, of play, full effect. Sarah Connor, good morning. Producer Sarah, nobody needs the whole government at this hour. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> well, sorry about that. Uh, Mr. Rodney, good morning. Welcome to the firm. How are you? You know, it's really, really great being the most highest paid person in the firm, you know, like truly. <laughs> Really? Do you know? Do you know that person? Who is that? Person? It's, it's definitely me. You know, I, I just got like a, a like a wire transfer for like four trillion dollars. Um. You are hilarious. I love it. Dean's listening and going, "Who the what? That, huh? What? How, how do you do that?" That's nothing illegal. And speaking, but this is the place. If there was something illegal going on, to have a conversation this morning, folks. Um, producer Sarah has lined up a wonderful conversation for us to have sarah do you want to uh yes so yeah. we have a couple things i'm gonna save the 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 very legal ones for dean the very very legal very yeah. very legal right. but this is a story that i've been following the news for a couple years so some of you might be familiar with it because we did talk about it here on the show so it's the case in detroit if you recall i know we have a lot of school shootings but this was the oxford school shooting in detroit mm-hmm. and the thing with this particular case was the school did recognize that the student had some issues. They did see some drawings, some writings of the student. The school called the parents to come in, explain to the parents the severity of what they had seen, and the parents were like, yeah, okay, and left the kid in school. And the kid proceeded to then shoot and kill four students. So the mother, and so Detroit took a different stance than other places, Michigan, and they have put both parents on trial separately. So the first trial that came up was for the mother, Jennifer Crumley. And she was found guilty this week on four counts of involuntary manslaughter. Her son, who's the shooter, whose name they're not putting in the press, he is already serving life in prison without the possibility of parole. So that's already happened. The mother is now looking at a possibility of 15 years at sentencing. And the father's case is now going to come up in March. And the interesting thing about this mother is she's not working with a full deck either Mm -hmm. because she took the stand in her own defense. And she said if she had to do this all over again, she would do it the exact same way. You got the right one, baby. Uh And so here are some of the things that they found in her son's journal. Please. Um, Quote, I have zero help for my mental problems and it's causing me to shoot up the blank school. I want help, but my parents don't listen to me, so I can't get any help. My parents won't listen to me about help or a therapist. That's an indictment right there. So, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. Wow. <laughs> you threw them under the bus. Wow. Yes. Um, yeah, so she, she testified that it was actually her husband, so now she's turned on the husband, who was responsible for storing the gun that was used on the day of the shooting. Are we allowed to say the husband's name? You know what? Unfortunately, I don't have his name. I do know his name. His name is James Crumley. Oh, well, yeah. yeah so but, it's, we, it's, but we don't say the kid's name because they don't want to give any, uh, what? Any so what they're trying to stop attention. doing, Attention yes. to shooters We're who do things to, like not, this. Yes, right? Because um, yeah. they do think that quite a few of these cases stem from, you know, these shooters wanting the attention, the notoriety. Go down so, in a blaze of gory and... Yes. So there are those who, as I was listening to some attorneys speak... There were quite a few who were shocked that she even got sentenced in the first place. So they, but the the one attorney in particular, he had a good point. He said, well, when I spoke to other attorneys, they did not think she would be found guilty. 
when I spoke to regular people, they were like, absolutely, she's guilty. And he's like, he had to remember that the jury is comprised of regular people and not legal scholars. And jury is comprised of your peers. Your peers. Yeah. So now that they're saying she's facing up to 15 years and just because of the way she was when she took the stand and she did not appear to show remorse or regret for anything, uh, initially they did not think that she would get the full 15, but now attorneys are like, yeah, I think she might She might get a 10 to 15. The interesting thing about this case is it's timely, and it sends a statement. Was that the goal? Were they trying to send a statement? I'm thinking of the jury themselves. What were they thinking when they went that back and they were sequestered and they had to deliberate about this thing? I wonder what their intentions were. But And was this, I believe, to, to be a member of a jury of a case like this, you're not supposed to know a heck of a lot of about it not until su- not supposed to. Yeah. So they probably they, so there were folks in Detroit that they found 12 folks who didn't know anything about this case. Well, either you don't know anything about it or you promise to be objective, objective. and just go off of the evidence. Like to me, even if you knew the story about this case in advance, I think she was her own worst enemy in taking the stand. Taking the stand. Like that would have absolutely done it for me that you got up there. I think I had the exact quote she said here. She says she wouldn't have done anything differently as a mother, but wishes her son would have acted differently in reference to the shooting. Stop. What, what does that mean? So she's putting it on. She's putting the blame on everybody but herself. So she's putting it on her minor child that she wishes he, the child had acted differently. Acted differently during the shooting, shooting or pre- in reference or to the shooting. the shooting. So maybe like you know, if you had just like handled your thoughts and your emotions and not shot people, it would have been much better. That's that's like she has a very lackadaisical attitude. So to me, if you knew everything about this case in advance. Mm. I think that piece, I think her taking the stand was the worst idea anybody okay. could have ever had because she she doesn't care. She's not remorseful. She's not taking any blame as a parent. She should, He killed four students. Four, yes. Children. They were children, too. Yes. Right? Was there any time on the stand where you th- she showed any remorse? Oh, my God, those no. poor children that my son murdered. What about those children? As a mother, I can understand. I want to apologize to you, the parents. None of that? No, and she upset the parents. The parents were so angry in court when she said that she would not have done anything differently. Man, see, this is the thing, Just and and Sarah, and everyone within the sound of our voices. See, folks like this, they live amongst you, and you won't even know it until it's too late. But we can't be accountable for everyone's thoughts. We never know what anyone is thinking. But in this case, they knew what their child was thinking. They had the proof. The they, teacher they, actually yeah, saw yeah. drawings and writings yeah. as the teacher was in class, saw it, and immediately alerted the school. Like, this wasn't a case where, oh, we didn't know little yeah. Bobby had issues. Like, people were very much, everybody did their job except for the parents. There were uh, dozens of red flags. And as, were, a, yes. as, an, as an accountable, responsible parent and adult, you're supposed to take action. Do something. Because the school even said that they told the parents that if their son didn't get into therapy for his mental health issues within 48 hours, the school was going to call Child Protective Services, and they left his they left their son in school. They had 48 hours to get their son help. 48, man. I wonder what other students were saying about this kid. And Bobby's not his name, folks. We just made that up. We don't know his name. We don't know his yeah, name. We just gave Bobby. I just gave him the name Bobby. Yeah. I, I wonder, there certainly were other students who probably had testimony to the effect that, yeah, such and such was really, a, he was this, that, and the other. Or one time, they probably had stories. The horror of just being in school and a shooter comes in alone traumatizes you. That alone is something that has to be held into account. These students will never be the same. I'm not talking about the ones that were murdered, but even the rest of the students who were there. You have to take that into account. And we've had so many of these. So, Sarah, guys, what do you think? Is this going to set a precedent going forward in cases that could happen right here in Philadelphia? Or I, think, I think it's very interesting because for so long we have focused our attention on going after the NRA and going to our politicians to change the laws. Like, mm. if you remember, like, I'm sure most people remember, you know, former President Barack Obama's impassioned speech and tears after Sandy Hook. Like, yes. we were so sure. I mean, I Th- was. That was going to be the moment. I thought that was yeah. going to be the moment and things were going to change. And, you know, I, I feel like, I think Barack even said it, like, later. He's like, if that didn't change, nothing will. 
That, that did not change I mean, politicians' minds. That did not change um, people's minds about it. So I think this is an interesting new approach because the, shooting, the other ways are not working. A lot of these stick with you. And we follow this stuff all the time. Some of them stick with you more than others. Here in this area, that the Amish shooting at the Amish school, all of those little kids in a little house on the prairie type schoolhouse. Shooter goes in there in Amish country where they don't do anything, man. Violence, nothing. They, he goes in there and just wastes all these elementary school children. Gun laws didn't change after that. So Sandy Hook, Parkland, the synagogues, the churches, greed, capitalism, the gun lobby, money, this nonsense where they bastardized the Second Amendment to twist it to mean what they want it to mean. And I'm clear, uh, the people, comma, in the form of a militia, comma, have the right to bear arms. It doesn't say the people have the right to bear arms. There's a comedy that says in the form of a militia. In other words, as part of an organized group of other gun owners are allowed to bear arms. It doesn't say that everyone has the right just to have a gun randomly. But we have now taken that and the gun manufacturers so succinctly and so cleverly got Congress in the Duke Gingrich days to, to make sure that they could not be sued for how... Their tool, that's what they call guns, their tool is used. They can't be held responsible. So gun manufacturers can't be held responsible. The lobby is what it is. Politicians still get goo gobs of money to support the gun laws that the gun manufacturers appreciate. And it's sad. It says a lot about our nation. It says a lot about ourselves. And I say this, Sarah, it seems to me that not only this child needed mental health, needed some therapy, she needed some therapy or something. Oh, absolutely. Something's going on. And I would really love to hear what the husband's statements are going to be. I want to know what type of man this is. What's his thought process? Well, they were saying that it's interesting that because her trial is done and, you know, we have a verdict, that his attorneys can now use her case as their playbook. So since Mm. she was trying to turn on him, there is a high probability that he's going to turn on her and make this like it's all her fault because she already got her time or her sentencing. Vicious. Nasty. So, yes, this husband and wife is going to completely turn each other. In sickness and in health. And in prison. <laughs> My God. So, FYI, you're not hearing Dean's voice right now. He has sent a text. He is on his way. If I were you, I would get on the phone now and hold your place in line. As you know, the line gets gets crowded and very no quickly. no one knows better than you. 215-227-2727. 215-227-2727. I had someone DM me last, yesterday. They were in an accident, bad car accident. They sustained some injuries. They got an attorney. However, they don't hear for their attorney. They don't talk. Their attorney doesn't return phone calls. They can't get in touch. It's been a number of months. And you know, as often as I've done this show, I still wonder to myself, yeah, what is a person to do if they're not happy with counsel and they have a pending case? Can they just jump ship and hire somebody new? And I've been here a million times, and I know we've answered this question, but I needed to get that question answered uh, for this particular listener. And lo and behold, sitting in the chair, whooshing in like a Zephyr wind, ladies and gentlemen, the legal mind, the man in charge of the firm, Mr. Myfilly Lawyer himself. Good morning, Dean. Justin, Manuel, <laughs> good morning. Good morning, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Court Radio. Um, thank you so much for the intro. You had a little uh, traffic problem? Uh, the Schuylkill is crazy today okay uh there was about seven trucks all lined up cleaning cleaning yeah. i said that maintenance crews was probably what it was and uh it was bumper to bumper for miles did you overhear any of the conversation i did um the crumbly case yes the mother uh you're here your thoughts well uh it sets a new precedent uh the first case in the united states to ever charge parents for the uh death uh, for the murder of uh, innocent uh, victims mm. of their child, and um, they were, they are both charged with manslaughter. Um, and uh, it, you know, if you take steps to further the uh, event that happened, um, and you knew or should have known that that was the likely outcome, then you have responsibility um, it, because they could have stopped it. In you know, they could have, first of all, they purchased, with all this going on, right, with mm. his mental health issues, uh, with his own warnings to the world, 
um, they go out and buy him a gun. We left that part out. <laughs> yeah. They, they go out and purchase a gun and then make that gun available to him. They don't lock it up and secure it. Uh, they make the gun and the bullets available to their child who has warned the world that he has mental health issues and wants to harm other people. Um, it, it was it was bound to happen, and um, high time, I say, that it does happen. For this verdict yes. to take place. Yes, absolutely, because um, parents uh, have to be able to provide for their children. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes what you have to provide is, uh, you know, a um, stable mental health, health, mental health um, benefits to your child who is crying out for it and um, take him or her for their word. Um, it's funny. It's, it's no different than if your child has. It, well, it is different, but. Your child is sick. He's saying, I got a stomachache. I got this. This is happening. I hurt my arm. I broke this. You immediately go, oh, well, we got to help. We got to get you some medicine, get you to a doctor. But with this, when it's mental illness, you know, there's some folks that go, oh, just calm down or think differently or get over it or something like that. And, 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 And think that you don't treat mental illness the way you treat a broken arm or a broken leg or something that's twisted. You have to think of it in those terms. Someone is, and especially if someone's telling you, what he's saying is, yo, I'm in pain. Yeah. I need help. Yeah, and I'm going to hurt somebody else, and yeah. then you go out and you give them the tools to do that. Is, that seems just a bizarre. Sarah said something that made sense. So now the lawyers, the attorneys for the husband, the father, are going to use this as a playbook. What does he do now if you're the husband, if you're the father? He pleads. He just pleads out. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> That's it, how you would advise. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, she's already, the the wife has set up the husband to take the fall. She's already fallen. And so uh, there's nothing more for her to lose at this point. It, it probably will benefit her in sentencing. So she's going to continue to say those same things. And um, he's he's in serious, serious trouble at this point. I would highly recommend that uh, their focus be not on trying to defend, uh, but to um, mitigate. Whatever happened to the days where men would go, you know, it was all me. My wife had nothing to do with it. It's all me. Give me the time. My son, my fault, my bad. Obviously, the love in that relationship was lost a long time ago. And this issue right here just divides Going forward, Dean, you know, there are lots of cases of mass shootings. There are dis- there are shootings where they're not in schools but on the streets where a couple of folks get shot by some kids under, what, under 18? Is that legally what it is? Yes. Right? So yeah. do you think now we're going to start to see a change in the behavior of parents and children? And, uh, Hard to do say. Do you think it'll happen again? You think? Yes, yeah. of course. I think it'll happen again, um, but it'll become more commonplace. Mm. Um, and maybe eventually, I mean, that's the whole point of this. We're trying to change people's behavior um, through the criminal justice system. And so uh, the, the, the goal here is for parents to wake up the next morning and say, wow, I could go spend the rest of my life in jail if Johnny is, you know, uh, engages in criminal behavior i knew about it i should have done something to stop it um and i didn't and and is it any different than you know having responsibility um like if the police or the ems don't do their job and somebody dies because they didn't do their job as a parent we have a job to do and that you know, is to keep the world safe from our own children. Do you see any type of loophole anywhere as a parent where you can legally say, hey, listen, that's not on me? Yeah, if they hadn't, if this child had secured this gun by himself mm-hmm. and the parents had no idea that he had a weapon, mm-hmm. um, I think that that goes a long way to mitigating their responsibility. In spite of the screams of help and uh, I got problems, I need therapy. That's a much weaker case, I believe. Mm-hmm. But they gave him the tool he used. They gave him the weapon. Let's talk to Joseph on line one who wants to jump in on this conversation. Hi, Joseph, and welcome to Court Radio. Morning, Joseph. Hi, good morning, Dean and Sarah and Man One, everyone. Um, I'm glad you're talking about uh, 
for me, the catchphrase while I was waiting was changing behaviors. Because I want to say this, and I want to be aptly culturally sensitive without appearing to be biased or separatist at all. But what if this particular alcohol, the test case, came about in the manner where historically black homicides, black murder rates have been somewhat considered the norm? What if a case such as this has now appeared where black parents are held accountable? Would that change the dynamics of what you're talking about, going back as far as maybe the past 15 years? Now, keep in mind, as we speak, as I'm speaking to you, um, recently there has been a series, appears to me, of homicides among black youth toward black youth in the age ranges uh, being of 15 and 16, even uh, something recently in Derby this past week. So I'm concerned about whose story gets out first in terms of changing the laws and changing the courts where these murders are concerned. Can you comment on that? Well, yeah. I mean, in my mind, uh, and <clears throat> I, I think I'm, uh, I'm speaking honestly, in my mind, I don't see a difference. Um, I, I, I don't want to excuse anybody. Like, it, it, Black-on-black crime, a lot of it may be uh, drug and or um, uh, gang-related issues and things of that nature. And um, let's say parents knew the kids were um, working a corner or in in a gang, were engaged in this behavior, they're bringing home the money, um, and and they knew all that and and allowed it to continue to exist. Should they be responsible? Should they take, you know, like the Crumleys, should they go to jail for the behaviors of their children? I think, yeah, I think it, it, it becomes like a conspiracy, at, you know, and, and the children whose minds haven't even fully developed yet. They're, they're the ones who are the um, the extension of that of that criminal enterprise. And, and I believe that. Under those circumstances, I could see some uh, folks being charged in the future. Well, he said if this had been in place 15 years ago, 15 years down the road from now, this is a precedent-setting case. I'm pretty sure we're going to know that there are parents who are going to be like, oh, where are you going? What's that? Let me see your bag. What's in that bag? Or if you're leaving the house and you look suspicious with the mask and the shysties and everything on. So if this had been a thing 15 years ago, Joseph, I think you probably would see less of what you're talking about, the shootings that we're talking about, because I know a lot of parents like, I love my child, but I'm not going to prison. Uh, you got to stop this behavior. They, 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 and I've known families. I hate to say this. I've known families who knew their children were part of illicit activity, but that income was important to the household, and they were complicit. All right, uh, if that comes to a courtroom after something like this, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it, to me, it, it seems like it's uh, fair play. Absolutely. What do you think, Joseph? Well, I'm just looking at will it trickle down. And I've heard the legal analysts say that this will change the landscape of mass shootings in terms of uh, who's going to be criminally charged along with the shooter, if i.e. if it's the parents. But it concerns me as to what seems to be this rarity now in terms of juvenile black youth, specifically juvenile black youth who are men, who seems to go on these killing sprees amongst their peers or within their peer group, and it seems to be normalized. And I'm just wondering if the parents of these individuals are hearing or seeing what's going on in Detroit, because clearly it would have to affect this, well, in my opinion. And But again, in your opinion, would they be, should they be subject to the same responsibilities or consequences as the Crumleys? But how do you get around the fact that it's the same age for both of these cultural groups? I mean, the, the 15, the 15 being African-American male and 15 being, you know, Caucasian isn't any different to me. So you're saying they should be prosecuted think, similarly? If, if you can connect the dots and if it's a matter of maybe to use your term overly, if it's irresponsibility in terms of parenting, I, I think clearly there should be some charges. Will we see question, will we see a uh, uh, people who choose not to have children uh, because, because they're, they're, they don't want the responsibility and they don't want to... Bear um, the burden? Yeah. For yeah. fear of 
You might have a point. Well, well, well I've, I've heard that right now in our world that they're finding that young folks aren't trying to have children as quickly as, uh, as say, our generation did. They are leery about that. So you well, may have something there. Yeah, yeah. And, and it seems it's hard. It, it seems like uh, if you're not prepared to be able to manage the the folks that you give birth to down the pike, then maybe the time is not right uh, to be having kids. Well, as a parent, you're but not of course, prepared. at the same time, they make it more difficult uh, to get uh, to end to end a pregnancy even early in many many jurisdictions in the country. Good point. Uh, yeah, it's a complex world we live in, and it don't get any easier every year. Joseph, thanks for your your comments and your insight. It it really was uh, poignant. Have a good weekend, Joseph. All right, take care, guys. Dean, two things. Two, wait a minute. 215-227-2727, the number for all things legal in Philly. If you got something you want to talk about today, uh, you got a legal issue, give us a call and we will answer it. 215-227-2727. After a case like this, I'm sure a lot of attorneys are going, okay, this is going to be coming down the pike. Let me see what can be done if I wind up on the defense or prosecution. So folks study. I mean, this is what happens, right? In your profession, folks study verdicts like this. And do attorneys go, okay, how would I defend this? Is that what you guys do? Do you? Yes, of course. You so you, you paint scenarios and go. And you grow from it mm-hmm. and you learn from it. Um, this woman should never have testified. Um, and if she testified... And her testimony was going to be that um, she would do it all the same. Then the defense attorney should have said to her, you're going to sink your own ship here. It was um, a dumb deal. It was a wrap at yeah, that point. It was. Um, shows no remorse. No. And um, doesn't recognize her part in this. Does not recognize that she and her husband um, made the ability of their child to have a weapon in his hands concrete from the abstract. And um, so, yeah, she's she was bound and determined to be found guilty. I'm thinking that now legislators will start thinking. Somebody, some legislators somewhere is thinking about a new law of some kind, maybe to, I don't know, protect parents from this type of thing or to clear the lines of delineation and responsibility. I just feel some type of legislation or policy may come because of this verdict. I, I Maybe. Um, I don't see how they can do that um, in in the sense that, you know, their, their child committed a heinous crime. Mm. People died from it. Um, now what the politicians are going to say, hey, let's let's carve out a loophole for these parents. <laughs> I don't know what I'm just spitballing here. Something maybe for the, the child's side or the parents side. I don't know. I really don't know. I just got a feeling there's going to be some type of legislation or someone's going to discuss some type of new legislation Listen, because of this case from the civil stand civil side. OK, right. so re- remember the damages. The, this is. Well, you, you, you've engaged in a behavior which you knew or should have known could lead to some consequence for someone, and you did nothing. Um, let's look at a psychiatrist. You go to a psychiatrist, and you say to the psychiatrist, I'm, I have a plan. I'm going to kill my ex, or I'm going to kill um, whoever. That psychiatrist has an obligation to share that with law enforcement. If it's a future, if it's a plan for a future crime, not a past crime, but a future crime, they have a duty to step in and protect the public from their patient. And this is the same, but a parent has even a greater responsibility. Hmm. Um, so I, I think we're going to see more and more of this. Um, do you? And, yeah. Yeah. I do. Okay. Uh, folks, we're going to be back. Uh, we got a short break. We're going to be back in two minutes. But if you've got a legal issue or question or you want to jump in on this conversation, the number's 215 227 2727. I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. 
I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. When we say winning matters most, we mean it. My Philly Lawyer just helped secure an $80 million victory for a client suffering from a defective medical product. Whether it's a motor vehicle, workplace, or medical malpractice injury, My Philly Lawyer gets results. If you've been injured and want aggressive, thoughtful, thorough representation, call My Philly Lawyer first. Philly's legal champions, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. Legal Answers. Here's more Court Radio with your host, Dean Weitzman. Yeah, baby. Nice. We're back. We're live. I'm Dean Weitzman, your host of Court Radio every Saturday morning right here uh, on WRMB 100.3. And Classics 107.9. There you go. We got that out of the way. Yep. And um, we're talking about the uh, Crumley prosecution in Detroit. Um, the parents of the child who uh, committed a mass shooting at his school. Um, the parents have uh, been prosecuted. The mother was prosecuted. The, fa- the father will be prosecuted in March. Mm-hmm. She was found guilty. Um, the first of its kind in the United States where a parent is found guilty for the actions of a child um, in a homicide. And um, the question that the jury had to answer was, you know, did they engage in behavior uh, that they knew or should have known would more likely than not result in a harm to another? Well, they knew. This, the, the, the letters, the notes he wrote, I mean, I'm sure there were things we don't know about. There were plenty of red flags right. and warning signs, and they took no accountability of any of it and just let it go. Now, if, let's say, the parents had said, hey, he did this for the last 10 years and never did anything about it, um, you know, we, we had no, we're not professionals. We're, we're not psychiatrists and psychologists. We didn't know that he had crossed over a line um, you know, that's the t- kind of defense you would have to um, mount in order to. Um, but again, you know, the behavior speaks for itself. Um, and they went out with somebody who had these 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 thoughts and they purchased a gun. Not just and, any gun. And then made that gun easily available to their son. Um, not lock it up. You know, you own a gun and you have children in a house. Your gun should be in a gun safe. Um, and, and the bullets shouldn't be, you know, uh, in the gun at the, in the house. Uh, I mean, there, there's, there's certain precautions that one could take to make it less likely that this is going to happen. Dan, you know, you got these families, they send out holiday cards with the whole family holding weapons, including the children, because it's legal in certain places for young children to learn how to use guns. And they're in their early stages of childhood, nine, 10 years old, then they're teenagers and they all got guns and, and. So you're saying if this is a case of 
a boy who cried wolf. Yeah, my kids have had guns forever. You saw the photos for 10 years. And, and yeah, they wrote this note like five years ago, but nothing ever happened. We knew it was nothing. And then finally one day something does happen. You're saying that's a possible defense? Uh, it is. Wow. It is. Um, and so it, and it gets down to what what did you know and what were your what were your what were your reasonable expectations knowing what you knew? And um, the jury said that the, her expectations were not reasonable, that she should have known. Um, and her failure led to the death of innocent people. And uh, she's going to go to jail for quite a few years because of it. Um, we got callers and everybody wants to talk about this case. So it's let's, lit up, yeah. yeah let's, uh, let's jump on to Kind Essence on line one. Kind, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I was so surprised when I heard this on the radio. The only thing I want to say about it is the accountability, accountability of parents. When they put on the news the young kids who did a murder or did shooting, they just put the mug faces of the children. I often thought they should put the mug faces of the parents as well and display them and let them have that sense of embarrassment or um, like in the old days when you had to go into the, um, they put people in the, in the village, put them in the stockades and people throw tomatoes at them. Let the parents be seen by their community that you're allowing your children to be like this, whether you know or not. And my other thought was, and a lot of my friends thought it was crazy, but some of them said that might do it. Suppose you're a murderer. You know you're running around murdering people, killing people, so obviously it's in your blood. You take the life of a child. You take the life of a child from another family. Should that family have the right to come to your family, tell your parents, okay, let the murderer choose somebody in your family and, and shoot them? And, and that that be done with it. I mean, is right. that real harsh? Or how now, many times would that have to happen before they would not be doing it anymore? Yeah, now I think he, he, eye for an eye. Yeah, even for me, and I I, I want to say I want to say that I I was an early uh, adherent to the uh, or a proponent, an early proponent of uh, of having you know like for minor crimes like uh, thefts and you know. Um, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, you have the kid have to participate in, um, in in community service, and they have to wear like a shirt that says, you oh, know, I, 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 I did such uh, yeah. and such. And, and I want mm. the parents for the minor children. I want the parents on that same, you know, gang of. Uh, I've seen that. Yeah. They're out on the street somewhere, yeah. and they're wearing a shirt. I did such and such. I committed, and, and for my, that reason. Or, or my son, my right. son did. And now that I'm out here doing yeah. this because of it. Right. I have seen that. I, I've I've always said that for years. You think it's a deterrent? Uh, I, I I do think it's a deterrent. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a high, it's v- at least, listen, I'm going from my perspective as a parent and as a person. I would be mortified. I would be so embarrassed to have to do that. And um, and so I, I think uh, it w- I would be looking at those kids with a slant eye for the rest of the l- for the rest of their life. Well, then, much like child predator laws, you have to register as a child predator if you move anywhere. So if parents and children like this are around and they move, do they well, have to register? As, no, I, because, I'm the parent of a child, no, and my no, child did such and the such. The sex registration is is more to protect the community from. Well, this su- kid's a murderer, for, a potential for, murderer. For, for from recidivism, uh, no, the, we're talking about the 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 um the people who are involved in minor crimes. Uh, you know, um, okay. not not murder, but minor crimes. You get out there with the shirts on, and you clean the neighborhood, and you you know clean the highway, or do whatever you're going to have to do, um, and that brings a lot of shame. Um, and then you know uh, from that from there, hopefully uh, you you move forward and and you get some help. Shame um, is a powerful deterrent for a lot of people, especially now when things go viral so quickly. That's yeah. what I, yeah I was going to yeah. say in a social media world mm, that yeah. is mortifying. Mm. Bring back shame. Yeah. Bring back shame. Bring back yes. shame. Yeah. You're the CEO of a company and you have to wear this shirt outside yeah. because your little Bobby's done something and now everybody on the board knows. Let's talk to Gregory on line two. Greg, welcome to Court Radio. Oh. Greg left. I hate that sound. So do I. I really hate it's that sound. It's been around for since my bell. Oh, do I hate that sound? All right. Line three, Corey. Morning, Corey. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, sir? 
pretty good, pretty good. Very interesting topic. And I have to say that I'm in agreement with um, what happened in Michigan. But what my caveat would be, hold the parents responsible financially. Just like if a man has a baby with a woman and that man decides he doesn't want to be in that child's life, the woman has the option to take that man to court for, for child support for 18 years, I believe it is. So if you have a juvenile that commits a crime and he hurts other people, no matter what the crime is, and that parent, whether you knew about his behavior in the streets or not, should be held responsible financially. Your wages are good. If, we have to, if the state has to house your child in a correctional facility for however many years, that parent should be made to pay, just as the father would if he had a child with the woman that he didn't want to have anything to do with. The parent should be made to pay. If that meant forfeiting your car or your home, depending on how uh, uh, heinous the crime is, there needs to be some compensation made to the state and to the parents or the family of the person that was hurt. All right. I I I, I like it. Um, again, getting back to uh, can we change people's behaviors? Can people be forced to be more um, careful parents, more involved in their child's life uh, for fear that they'll lose financial stability um, if the kid goes off the rails? I always say, and shame is a powerful thing, but I always say you want to give somebody's attention. You stick your hand in their pocket. That makes a big difference for life. So, yeah. All right, Corey, thank you for your comments. And you, know, you hate that sound, too? Uh, yeah. That was Justin's fault. 215-227-2727. 215-227-2727. That's the number to call. Line four, Yousef. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Um, well, thank you. How about yourself? Uh, I'm blessed. Woke up to see you another day. Um, the, the comment on your topic, uh, I mean, for one, I mean, Corey... Great, great perspective, but you're talking about raising a child with the child support compared to a child that is of age that knows right from wrong. So, I mean, taking care of a child and a child committing a crime, I mean, this is why they have jails and laws to lock people up that's not doing right. And, of course, the, the state provides the housing in, in jails, you know, but I mean, as far as locking the parent up, that's kind of 50 50 to me because of the fact where is this child going to go once you lock this parent up? Most of the parents today are single parents. Unfortunately, there's not too many mother and father homes. So, how can you put the child in a situation with more aggression, more anger of locking his parent up? And then that's more death of that child being the system instead of trying to get out the system. It's sad that right is wrong today and, and you know, yesterday, of course, we wouldn't be dealing with these situations. But we have to figure out the opposite of, you know, uh, for, for laws, for people to really understand, to, to grasp, you know, these, these actions of their kids, you know, but Yusuf, 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 you bring up a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about uh, a, a parent who doesn't have anything to do with his minor child? He's he he. Let's just say the father. The father has nothing to do with raising the he, child. He's not in the household. Not in the house. But he's still the father. He's still the father, and the kid goes off the rails and <laughs> gets into a, a a life of crime at a young age as a minor. Does the father have responsibility uh, akin to the Crumleys? Theirs was more an active participation. So they're both there. Right. Yeah. But he is more of a negligent participant. Hmm. So his failure to participate and provide structure and, and uh, you know, keep an eye on his child has made the world less safe because the child's kind of running out on his own or her own. And so can we begin to expand the Crumley uh, decision, 
uh, to involve folks who are not involved in their child. Their defense is, hey, I didn't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. Well, that's not a defense well, then. Well, you should have been. You're the father. Is right. that what you're going to? Yeah. yeah. So, now, so th- that's what you have to be careful about when we have these, these you know, reactive verdicts. You know what happens? She won't let me see him. I try. I, she keeps, you know, we had, oh my God, you're right. This is a very complicated thing. It yes. can be complicated. Yeah, well, that's why we need politicians who are, you know, sharp and smart. So, and, so, so, so legislation. Yeah, ah. yeah. But they, they don't legislate anymore. <laughs> As we see in the uh, border legislation, they, uh, they, they nixed Ooh. it. But they, and they asked, this is what they, they asked for. I know. Another story. We're going, that's an A. Hey, that's another conversation. <laughs> Youssef, thank you for your very poignant and insightful that's a good comment. Point. They, uh, they, they nixed it. Youssef, thank you. Yes. Another story. That's an A. That's another conversation. All right. Now that's a very, I didn't think about that little, <laughs> I didn't think about that little nugget of cases like this. Parents, I guess they're co parenting, but then. They're not because one's not in the other child's life, but you're still the parent. Maybe maybe it's, you know, you make it sound like it's the mom who's preventing the dad from participating. But I'm I'm just saying, I'm I'm saying in case that that's that's an argument that people make. Okay, Uh, but I'm I'm not saying that's always going to be the case. You know, listen, if you want to participate in your child's life the way the law is today, there should be no reason why a court would not issue a joint custody order. It is the norm. And um, and it, and so if you want to be in part of your child's life, you can be. You might have to press it through the courts, but you can get that right easily today. I have a video I'm going to send you of a father with visiting rights that shows up to see his child with his wife. She's sitting in the car and he's confronting his ex and the stepfather. Stepfather was really aggressive. They get into an altercation. The stepfather shot the father and murdered him right there on on, uh, on, on, on the it's, it, yeah. it gets crazy. But yeah. he's trying to see his child, trying right. to be in his child's life. These guns, man. Yeah. There's just you. You just you said brought up something and you piggybacked on it. I didn't think about it. Yeah, what happens in situations where you've got two parents and one's not around? Right. And this happens. Yeah. Are you still both responsible? Is it a defense to say, I'm not involved in my kid's life and I have no idea what he or she is doing? Mm-hmm. Good question. 215-227-2727. Mary on line five. Ah, there we go. Yeah. That sound, that's, I, I, I want to petition them to change that sound to something. Good luck. Yeah. K, 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 K on line one. Morning, K. K, K. What? Uh, well, okay. they got all hung up at the same time. Well, they were all related. So they got an answer to the question is what you're saying. It was yeah. related to parents being held accountable and how this could become unfair that certain groups would be held more accountable in other words, black families would be in jail doing more time than non-black families. Why? Is the argument that... The- because the justice system is not a fair system. Okay. Well, here's the thing, that's, though. It- uh, that's probably a true statement. Um, I, I, and it's not fair probably based on race, also socioeconomic abilities. Um, an affluent black family is probably less likely to be prosecuted than a... Um, black family who has access to private lawyers and things of that nature. Well, it's so, interesting that the first time this happens, it happens to a white family. When you when we, when we you think of crime, unfortunately, in urban cities like Detroit and Philly, you think black folks. You do. You think minorities, so to speak. This happened to a white family. And she's going to go to prison. The kid's going. He's going to serve life. So if it could, <laughs> I hate to say it this way, if it could happen to them, it could happen to anyone out here. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't Again, maybe this is, uh, I don't know if this is racist or not, but I, it seems to me that most mass shootings are done by white people, not black people. Well, well they consider any shooting with more than one person a four. mass shooting. Four, four is a mass shooting? Four. Four, yeah, four is four. mass. Okay. Yeah. But the ones you're speaking about, yeah. You know, like when yeah. you go in. Supermarkets, you know, shopping, right. churches, schools. Those yeah. are mass. Yeah. Those, yeah. 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 Sylvia uh, Sebring. All right, we got to take a quick break, folks. We'll be back. We're talking about the Crumley verdict in, in Detroit. Uh, where parents are held accountable for their actions of their children. We'll be back in two minutes. 
When we say winning matters most, we mean it. My Philly lawyer just helped secure an $80 million victory for a client suffering from a defective medical product. Whether it's a motor vehicle, workplace, or medical malpractice injury, my Philly lawyer gets results. If you've been injured and want aggressive, thoughtful, thorough representation, call my Philly lawyer first. Philly's legal champions, 215-227-2727. My Philly lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. When we say winning matters most, we mean it. My Philly Lawyer just helped secure an $80 million victory for a client suffering from a defective medical product. Whether it's a motor vehicle, workplace, or medical malpractice injury, My Philly Lawyer gets results. If you've been injured and want aggressive, thoughtful, thorough representation, call My Philly Lawyer first. Philly's legal champions, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. This program has been paid for by My Philly Lawyer. Need more legal answers? Here's more Court Radio with your host, Dean Weitzman. I am here, Lawson. I am Dean Weitzman, your yeah. host of Court Radio. That is Manny Manuel Glenn. Mm-hmm. And we've got Justin Tickle in the keys today. Eric is uh, retired uh, for the day. Re- yeah, for the day. For the day. He'll be back. Justin's our new paralegal for the firm. For the yes. Day. Justin? Highest paid paralegal officer. Uh-huh. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Six trill. Your hair today is. Um, I know it's a mess. I know. I got a Kelly Oubre thing going on. I woke Kelly Oubre. I woke up here on the floor. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, right. I he works those odd hours. Yeah. 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 He's um, but he you know he has um, <laughs> some fabulous hair. It's a Kelly Oubre. Yeah. That's a look. I love it. Yeah. That's a look. But well, now we just named it. Iconic. Yeah. Um. I, it was um. Dimitri um, was in my sixth grade class. Mm-hmm. Um, we would play ball in the Spruance Elementary School basketball courts. Right. And Dimitri had um, a, an afro that was just perfect. It was like, you know, like a big, <laughs> a- ABA. A, like a big mushroom cloud. Perfectly shaped yeah. and cut. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> Dimitri. All, and, and Dimitri always had a pick. Right in his hair. That's right. He had the Julius Irving. He had the fist on the pick? Yep. There you go. (laughs) Shout out to Dimitri, wherever you are. Uh, We all all used to have a lot of hair. I used to have one of those afros, and I had the pick, too. And the bushcomb. Had to have a bushcomb. Those were the days. What's a bushcomb? Bushcomb was a black... Thick comb with thick teeth in it. Oh, they okay. had a black handle. Yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a bush comb. And then the bigger ones with the metal were called cake cutters. Cake cutters. We call those cake cutters. Yeah. Uh, we we are we're moving <laughs> on to different directions here. Yeah. Club throwback. Uh, let's talk to Daryl on line five. Yes, yeah. Daryl. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Uh, the young lady was talking with me a little bit before she put me on to you guys. Um, I was asking about the responsibility of the school, and I understand the part of the 48 hours that the school told the parents that they had, but why? where were the school's guidance counselors and professional people where, where they had? Did they have any opportunities to 
have to speak to the child if they knew all this stuff was happening? What was they doing besides trying to put stuff on the parents to do? Like the school has a responsibility, like, you know, as guide counselors and professionals when they spot something like this. Absolutely. And and you 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 aptly put your finger on another problem, and that is how far do we allow this responsibility to go? Um, the parents clearly here, not only did they ignore it, but they, they, they purchased the gun that made it possible for it to happen in the first place. So that, that makes sense. But if counselors at school knew that he was going to engage in a, you know, a, a mass shooting and they did not alert the authorities, would they have responsibility then? Um, could they be held criminally responsible for their neglect? Could a psychiatrist who was the you know was treating the uh, young man um, and knew or um, had information you know to justify reporting him but didn't report him would he or she be responsible? And on and on it goes, and um, and that's another you know another defense, uh, another reason why maybe this is going too far some would argue um that it 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 just it just opens up a pandora's box of responsibility that trickles down because it's a minor we're dealing with a minor you know and so um in, in you know I, I don't know i don't have that answer daryl but it's a great question and and one that um, you know, if we take this to its logical conclusion, th- these types of cases will come up as well. You know, I was once suspended from school for fighting and the school realized, yeah. well, you know, that that's bad. He's he's aggressive. He needs to be suspended. He was fighting. So you get suspended for that. If the schools see red flags like this and I don't know if he'd ever gotten into fights in school or threatened anybody. But does the school have the responsibility or should they have the right to determine, you know what, this kid is a problem. We notified his parents and nothing's going on. We need to suspend this kid. We need to kick this kid out of school. Do, excuse me, do they have the, the right or the responsibility to do something like that? And their failure, could their failure be the basis upon which somebody wants to prosecute them? Right. Should that be powers, schools? Should they be enabled? But suspending a student does not change the probability that the student could come back and do harm to the school. But you're at least taking steps to get him out of the immediate area of student. You say, don't come back to the school. Not necessarily if he lives in the neighborhood. But you've got it in writing. (laughs) Hold on. In writing, hey, we told this kid, we kicked him out, and he's suspended. He can't come back. So legally, now the school is protected because they did what they were supposed to do. I mean, that's that's my argument. They may also have to report it to the police. That as well. And so should they? Should they be responsible to do that? Oh, I think most schools nowadays, that's exactly what they would mm. do. That's exactly what they would do. Um, if I was advising a school board, you know, I, I would say, yes, you have to throw this up the uh, up the food chain. Right. You know, there's no way that you can. And, but, and to Sarah's point, um, the, the gunman in um, Lakeland, Florida, uh, was thrown out of that school and came back on campus. Um, well, wait a minute. That was a, well, he was a, was he a student too? He was. Yes. He was a student, but he yeah. was thrown out. Throwing that's right. Throwing the that's kid right. out, all that, all that's going to do is clear the school of any wrongdoing, but it doesn't change that. The risk. The, the, the risk harm. of right, the, but the I'm casualty. It was their responsibility <laughs> to at least do that, to take some type of action. Yes. I mean, be, for the safe, not just for the protecting stuff, but I'm saying just for the safety of everyone. They, and they should have that right to make that determination. Do counselors make that? The principal? How is that determined and should it There's be? only so much you can put on the counselors because if you're dealing with students with mental health issues to the point that they are talking about shooting up a school, uh, there's a chemical imbalance. They need prescriptions. They need a hospital. Mm. They need more things than a counselor can do. So I don't fully think it's fair to put it a whole lot on the counselor, but the counselor should re- should call the parents, should notify the principal, et cetera. And, and that brings us... You know, you, again, you hit the nail on the head. That brings us back to we're not investing enough into the mental health mm, problems yeah. that society has. And um, so if you're going to hold the parents responsible, you better give them the tools they need to bring a solution to their problem. Um, they have to be able to get their child 
easily get their child in front of a psychologist or psychiatrist um, and and get the help he needs. So, you know, listen, this is like we said in the beginning, this is not easy stuff. Not at all. And it's complicated and it needs a complicated uh, you solution. Know, solution. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, we I didn't expect this topic to take us all the way to the end, but unfortunately it did. Um, we'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place. We appreciate our listeners. Keep it coming, and we will keep going with our advice. See you next week. Bye-bye.